Hello, this is Colonel Retired Jack Mosier for Mainly Matters discussing military and veterans affairs. Today is our second program in a series discussing veteran service organizations. We are very fortunate today to have James Batchelor of the Maine Veterans in Need and Chairman of the Homeless Veterans Committee of the Maine Veterans of Foreign Wars. How are you doing today, Jim? Doing very well, thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us. It's gorgeous out there. It's beautiful out there. It's going to be 60 degrees today. We're spoiled because it's going to rain the next several days after this. But thanks for joining us today. I'm really happy to talk to you. We have a lot to cover. Very exciting information about homeless veterans and about everything that's going out there in the veterans community and what you're doing, which is can only be regarded as God's work for the one of our most precious communities here in the state of Maine, our 105,000 plus veterans that are living in the state of Maine. So can you tell us a little bit about Maine Veterans in Need first, and then we'll move over to the homeless veterans uh, after that. Go ahead. Yes, and I want to thank you for inviting me. Uh, we appreciate the opportunity uh, Maine Veterans in Need is just formed about three years. We've been getting together and uh, creating a nonprofit. And we is uh, the people who were a part of the Homeless Veteran Network Group for about 14 years at the VA. And four years ago, that disbanded. And because I was the secretary of the... Uh, of the other group and everybody knew my name. I, I was asked to ask people to come together to create this main veterans in need. And that, that came mm-hmm. out of the VA program. And so you just kind of took the lead as the former secretary established this group, which is now being incorporated as its own 501c3 nonprofit. You're in the process of doing that now, correct? Yeah, we're incorporated in the state of Maine. We have all the bylaws and we have everything in place and we filed for our 501c3, I believe, in November. And we're just waiting uh, to see, you know, when that's going to come out and then we can start uh, fundraising and uh, and have tax uh, credit for those who donate. That's very important, of course, for his firms uh, in terms of uh, fundraising, not just for donations of, of monetary funds, but in goods and services as well. It's very important for all of our yeah, nonprofits. Well, the thing is that uh, we uh, have been able to do all this before with the other group because everyone was nonprofit and they had the opportunities to raise money and to apply for grants. You need to have the 501 uh, to be able to apply for a grant with the government. So, uh, and what we need to do is uh, we need to go out and buy all the supplies that we need to take care of those that we're we're trying to help. And and a lot of that is largely donated, of course, now. I mean, you go out and you do a lot of, uh, and and what types of of donations uh, help our veterans the most right now? Uh, Well, what we're doing is uh, we're giving them the clothing that we can buy uh, and everything. And, you know, what, what they need, we can't supply. They need affordable housing. We have more veterans now that are being reported as known as homeless, but unsheltered. 
completely unsheltered, literally on the street at this point. And and this is coming out in the report every month that we have on homeless veterans. I know it's very closely tracked, as we discussed earlier. Yes, it is. There's a by name list that has to be used. Uh, This is from U.S. HUD down through the continuum of care uh, to the Homeless Veteran Action Committee. But we, Maine Veterans in Need, we used to be the VA Homeless Veteran Network Group uh, that supported the VA. But because the VA has stepped back and the state of Maine has uh, created a uh, program to prevent and end homeless, and they have their own homeless veteran coordinator, the main veterans in need has aligned themselves to support that coordinator and what he's trying to do to fulfill the uh, guidelines to prevent and end homelessness in the state of Maine. So everything that we do is a Band-Aid. We can put you in a hotel for three, four days. It's a Band-Aid. It is, Jim. It, it, it is. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to make clear to our listeners that you know, there's this, there's an entire network of, of really good agencies that are in place here, most of which, nearly all of which, of course, are private nonprofits that transcend governmental services. In Maine, Veterans in Need is really a common thread that holds a lot of that together and is the last stop for many of our veterans, kind of the final mm-hmm. safety net. Yes, where what I say is the bottom of the barrel but we know all the resources above us. We like to get them back to the cream of the crop, you might say. We like to uh, hand them back up. And, and what we do is, you know, stabilize them by getting them in a hotel room and then, you know, get the services rolling. There's $2,000 that a veteran can pl- apply for from the state of Maine, and they can apply through Easter Seals of uh, Maine. Uh, they can also apply from the American Legion, the Maine American Legion. This is on the Maine website, maine.gov slash veterans. You'll be able to find the information in the uh, Maine Bureau of Veteran Services. So we try to, it, it might take three, four days for that paperwork to come uh, to bring out the money. So we put them in a hotel room. And we try and make sure they have clothing that they need. Uh, We were able to have four stand downs this uh, fall. The state of Maine usually has one and we had had four. We had Bangor, Lewiston, Portland and Sanford. Right. And we got $10,000 from the Department of Labor through the VFW because they have been doing that for several years. And uh, that $10,000 bought a lot of supplies that we had, and we took care of the veterans that showed up, and we have a supply now that we can take care of veterans as they show up. But it's not what they need, which is affordable housing. It's just, uh, you know, uh, every every resource that we have that we can work on uh, is bumping up to the same issue. Uh, we work with the Volunteers of America, Northern New England, uh, v- Veterans Inc., uh, Easter Seals of Maine. Uh, you know, we uh, 
help with the, the transitional housing in Biddeford and Saco if they need anything. And uh, also with the, uh, the women's shelter in uh, Augusta. It's really amazing that because most of these organizations are top down services. You guys are literally in the trenches. I mean, in the streets with these veterans, bringing them in and, and working from the bottom up to get them the services that they so richly need and deserve. The thing is that when COVID-19 hit and the VA wasn't able to have a stand down, uh, it it didn't mean that the people weren't in need. So the Bureau of Veterans Services put together a, a trailer and a pickup truck and and they had several of the other people showing up at each of the stand downs. And we helped about uh, 45 people, I think. Usually wow. when they bring them in to Togus, uh, there's usually like 75 people. And there's a lot more services at Togus because they get all kinds of help, but we only could get the help that we could muster in a, a month's time. Right. And, uh, and for Bangor. And as we, uh, moved on to Lewiston and Portland, uh, more people were aware of it. Uh, more services were provided and, uh, you know, it's 45 people that, uh, were made a little bit more comfortable for the winter. And that's really important, especially at that time in Maine. I mean, when you talk about a stand down, Jim, what, what exactly is a stand down so we can understand the concept of that? Well, at, at Togus, what they do is they uh, set up a huge tent where the, the clothing that I talked about that's purchased uh, is put in there with boots, uh, all kinds of clothing, and... Uh, bags to you know uh, uh different kinds of uh uh what you'd call a duffel bag or whatever gym bag big huge gym bag right, common things that a veteran might need yeah 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 so they come in in the morning the uh state dav auxiliary has a breakfast for everybody volunteers in and uh veterans and then they uh are given uh guidance and they have to go through many stations. They have a card, and when they go through the stations, they get a star on their card, and this could be housing. It could be uh, service-connected disabilities. Is there a health it check could, part of that, too, just to see how they're doing as far as their health goes as well? They, If they are eligible for the VA health care, they get taken care good, of. Good, good. If they that. aren't eligible for the VA health care, then they're just, you know, cared for with what, not really much of anything, to tell you the truth. I understand. If you're not eligible, you're not eligible. But we've had vans held up at the end of the day because we didn't know if the person was going to be released from the hospital to go back to the shelter or if they were going to stay overnight because the condition of the individual might be serious enough, they have to stay. So they go through all this for the first half of the day. I see. And then they have a full lunch. It's like a Thanksgiving dinner. It's a turkey meal wow. with, the, with the fixings. And that comes from the main Elks. And they put on the whole thing 
And uh, they work on that for a couple of days ahead of time, getting it ready. And then in the afternoon, then they come out to the clothing tent. And they have another tent, which is set up by the American Legion Auxiliary, which has ditty bags, uh, bathroom needs uh, in a, a cloth bag. And uh, then they have uh, another group, which is Operation Brotherhood which comes in and supplies uh, food, non-perishable food and, and other items like that, you know, uh, just to make the people be more comfortable and make sure that they have something, you know, because some of these people may not be going back to a shelter. They may be unsheltered. Exactly, and, exactly. And they found their way through the stand down. So that happens. That happens once a year, but it didn't happen last year, and it's not going to happen this coming because year. Because of COVID? Yep. It's very damaging to these the people that, that require and need these services so badly. I was so unaware, even my depth of understanding of the veterans community, that the number of hands involved in this effort is so great. Oh, oh yes. It, 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 there's no question that it's a, a, a big job. And uh, the other thing I wanted to just mention while we're talking about this is that in recent uh, months now, uh, the study of the homeless veteran, one out, of, uh, one out of every three is migrating to Maine when they find that they need help because... If they don't get help, at least the COVID's not as bad as other states. That's true, they're too. Here, they're coming here, and this is a survey that's being done by the intake, that the people that are coming to this state are coming primarily because of the low COVID numbers. Right, and, the, and then the services that they get and the kindness that they receive when, they're, when they arrive here as well. That's true. But what drives them here sometimes is is they don't know that. The only thing they know is if they can save their life, it's they may safe be better place. off going somewhere. And then when they get here, they find out that there are services available. Well, that's good. Them. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I, I, was, I wanted to mention, too, you've mentioned several times the Bureau of Veterans Services, right? It came keys in, in uh, Augusta, Maine. That's kind of become your governmental link for the most part with this effort. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, the the spearhead of the uh, the drive in the state of Maine has moved from the VA to the Maine Bureau of Veterans Services, which is local Maine government, which is appropriately. Local Maine government. Yes, and and it's not receiving any federal funding for taking over the responsibility for helping the individuals created by the federal government. That's an important distinction, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's, you know, without getting too deep into the politics of it, it's very real for our veterans yep. in the state of Maine, of course. And while we're talking about homeless veterans, Jim, how many homeless veterans do we have in Maine as we speak? The last number that I saw that we have known homeless veterans by name is 182. 182. I mean, that, and again, by name, that's the level of granularity we have in tracking each and every in each and every known homeless veteran in the state of Maine. That's important. Yeah, and uh, I was just going to look 
to see if I had that last report that came out, which I I don't know, but there's there's over thirty of them are uh, unsheltered. Right, literally living on the streets, which is just a tragedy for any person it's to be homeless. or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I did see a part of a, a report recently that said that our, our, gro- our largest growing number of homeless veterans are, are women with children, actually, because they don't, they're not allowed to be in a certain types of shelter scenarios because they have kids with them. Or, so that's, that's a, yeah. a, an important aspect as well. And that's what Becky Ann Ross House uh, in Augusta is for uh, women with and without children. Good, good. So they have their own safe place to go for sure. Did you have a Did you have an anecdotal story for us today to help people understand kind of what happens with veterans when they come to the services? Well, what happens is we had a veteran that was homeless for ten years, uh, a highly decorated combat veteran. Wow. And and what happened was the uh, homeless veteran coordinator from the state of Maine, Jared Greeley. Uh, worked with the guy, found out that he was homeless because he was dishonorably discharged, a highly decorated combat veteran. And he found that the crime did not fit the punishment. So the guy got an upgrade in his uh, discharge. Right. And within a week, he was 100% total and permanent disabled by the VA. I mean, we know that, you know, there are, you know, injustices that occur in the, in the, in the military. It's not an indictment of the military or anything else or the VA or anybody, but sometimes these injustices occur, especially when we're coming out of wars and their story needs to be told and sometimes reassessed in the in the light of day to take a look at what what shouldn't have been a life sentence for this man. Yeah. And and it, it, the dishonorable discharge created the homelessness because he couldn't, you know, he couldn't uh, do anything. You can't get a job. You can't do anything if you have a dishonorable yeah, so, discharge, right? But he was uh, taken by hand by the. Uh, individual who's doing an incredible job in the state of Maine. That's Jared you're talking about? Jared Greeley. Great person. And uh, and he uh, took care of this gentleman, and and the guy was able to uh, get his life back and, and uh, get his family back, which he hadn't seen in years. It's a great story, Jim. I'm yeah. glad you're able to tell us. Tell us about this, because... You know, we don't know what happened, what the details of some of these situations are. So we should absolutely reserve judgment until, again, a person like Jared can dig into it, look at it, and assess whether what really happened and under the circumstances that it did happen, in most cases decades ago, you know, find out what really went on. Yeah, yeah. Well, in our so, in our final minutes here, Jim, do 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 you have any any special requests from our listening public out there? Maybe special resources or how they can get involved in the future. Well, the thing the thing is that uh, we we deal with uh, furniture, transporting furniture. When someone gets yeah. an apartment, they need to have furniture, and so we're able to get furniture from hotels that are being refurbished. 
And we have four containers around the state where we can store it. And so we are going to be doing fundraising to have monies to uh, pay to pick up the furniture and to pay for the storage. And uh, the state money that the veteran gets can pay for moving it out of the storage into their apartment. Especially as we you enter, know, the, so, the, we're all entering into the spring yard sale season. So maybe people, instead of bringing all their stuff to the end of the driveway, especially good serviceable furniture, they could think about yeah. donating instead to Maine veterans and, in need. And the thing is that we need to get it transported because, you know, if we have a number of people who want to donate two or three rooms, we also need to have a way to get it. Of course. At the rate that we had been running, we'd been housing about 20 veterans a month. We're talking about moving a veteran every business day. That's an incredible amount of volume. And that's not counting picking up the furniture. That's just counting, you know, delivering it to the uh, veterans who were who are getting apartments and, and have nothing. And so the other money that we do is, you know, to prevent somebody from being homeless, you need to help them get their car registered. Right. You need to help them make that insurance payment because the job's starting now and they don't have the money to pay for the insurance. So we have to have funds for uh, obstructions, that we call it, that, that come up that prevent us from being able to be financially stable. And uh, we work with the people, we know them, we know what their problems are. And uh, some people need different kinds of help. They actually need to be put into assisted living or whatever because they're not capable of of caring for themselves. Well, it's completely individualized, too. You know these veterans, veterans, their situation and what their true solution would be to get them moving again. Exactly. They say, what makes a person homeless? That's a personal, every single person has a different reason why they wound up homeless. Exactly. And you know the solutions to those problems because you've seen them over and over again in many cases, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, being with the VFW and you help people with stuff and you see the same form for seven years, it's easy. But when you are the one who has the problem and you look at the form for the first time, you don't know what to do, you know, and that's what we do is we we have been through this. We've run into situations. We know where resources are and uh, we try to make sure that that information gets out to everyone above us. Right. You know, do you guys realize that this exists? Do you guys know that this can help? And, you know, so that's what we're there for. We're the with the networking people and, we, and i, and I see that between all you know that's why i said you're kind well, of the cornerstone of this whole network in terms of coordination well the, the homeless veteran network group was the cornerstone for 14 years and so this is where we we decided to pick up this ball this is where we belong exactly and then you know we're in our final minutes now jim how can people, I know you don't have a website established yet as you're still in the process of incorporating. How do people get in touch with you for volunteering, to donate uh, resources? How can they contact you? They can contact me at my phone number. 
Are you comfortable get, put, getting that, giving that out right now? Well, if you don't know it, then you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> it's 207-432-7127, and I operate from 9 to 9. I can attest to that. I think you operate a lot longer than 9 to 9 most days, well, Jim. Well, <laughs> that's what I tell people, but it doesn't, you know. Uh, so... Uh, uh, and and that's only temporary. That's you know until we can get uh, uh, we have a PO box, uh, but right now if people want to contact us, they get in touch with me. I'll get the emails out to the people in the organization or or into other organizations that uh, can help them, and and we'll get the word flowing until we have our five hundred one c three, and then we have a website, and then we have. We do have an email, mainveteransinneed at gmail.com. Okay, mainveteransinneed at gmail.com for the website. Yeah, they can they can send a, a message to that, and then, uh, you know, uh, in, instead of calling me, and we check that all the time. They would prefer the, the uh, email, of course. We'll put, yeah, make sure we can, put that out there as well. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Well, Jim, thank you for spending your, your time with us today. I know you're a busy man. You've got a lot on your plate every day. And I wanted to thank you personally as a veteran for our veterans for doing God's work and taking care of all of us. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the weather out there, okay? Yeah. Okay, we'll talk soon out here. That was Jim Bachelor of Maine Veterans in Need, and he's also chairman of the Homeless Veterans Committee for the Maine Veterans of Foreign Wars. It's just an example of the incredible work that many of these nonprofits are doing out there, providing services really that the government will not provide or cannot provide on an individualized basis to our veterans community. That was the second program in a series that is covering veteran service organizations. In our next program, we're hoping to be able to talk with a representative from the Travis Mills Foundation, Veterans Retreat in Rome, Maine, which is also one of the premier veteran service organizations out there. I think everybody knows Travis Mills and his remarkable story. We're hoping to have a uh, representative in to talk about their plans, how COVID has affected their operation, how they're going to be moving forward, and hopefully opening back up again this summer. So this is Jack Mosier, Colonel Retired from Mainly Matters, discussing military and veterans affairs. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care of each other and take care of yourselves out here. 